Collegiately speaking. Walks into the end zone. Punches to the end zone. This is Collegiately Speaking. With the voice of Northwestern football and basketball, Dave Ennett, and former Northwestern star quarterback, Dan Persis, is Collegially Speaking. Let's go. Welcome to this week's edition of Collegiately Speaking. Dave Ennett with former Northwestern quarterback, Dan Persa. You know, your name was being tossed around by Maryland over the past week. Did you happen to catch any of that in the, some of their pregame information? I didn't see that, no. What did they have to say? Because of your completion percentage, uh, Talia Tungavailoa, their quarterback, was zeroing in on your season completion percentage, oh, which remains the standard <laughs> in the Big Ten. And uh, he didn't quite get there Saturday, but, uh, boy, a really impressive win by Northwestern over a good Maryland team that – only a few weeks ago was 5-0 and and challenging Ohio State in the horseshoe. Had the Buckeyes on the ropes in that game for a while. And uh, then ended up losing that game. Lost at home to Illinois on homecoming. And then come to Evanston and get up early on the Cats twice. And uh, the Cats didn't go away and come out with a 33-27 win. Yeah, it was a huge win. Uh, I, th- I thought Northwestern played their most complete game of the year, which was fun to see. I think they, they left a little bit to be desired on offense in the second half, but I thought the way they, they fought back and the big plays they made at the end of the game um, was was fun to watch. So it was a huge win for the program. I was at the facility on, on Monday, and everybody has a lot of energy and a lot of confidence, which, is which again, is, is fun to see. Um, given everything they've they've been through, so yeah, I think rolling into the back half, of the stretch of the season, every game here from here on out is winnable, right? Which is exciting. Um, so there's a lot to play for, especially you know playing Wrigley on Saturday. Gary Barnett, the former coach at Northwestern, who took him to the Rose Bowl in 1995, had a saying: "Champions are crowned in November." And a lot of people look at college football that way. But if you can figure out a champion in the Big Ten West, good luck. There's a four-way tie for first, four teams at three and two, and then the Wildcats one game back at two and three, and then Illinois and Purdue just another game back at one and four. So two games separating every team in the Big Ten West as we head into the month of November. And, of course, Iowa at Wrigley Field this coming weekend. But the way Northwestern's playing, you know, one thing that I don't think has necessarily been talked about enough, which is the fact that this team has not lost back-to-back games. They haven't won back-to-back games. They have a chance to do it this week. But uh, for a team that lost 11 in a row last year, uh, they've managed to to be a very resilient bunch when they're coming off a loss, and that's that's how you're able to be there at at uh, four and four through eight games of your schedule. Yeah, I think talking with my former teammates and some other folks in, in the Northwestern uh, network, it's it's just fun to watch how hard they play, and I think that's something that really wasn't there, especially the last two years. Um, but it seems like they're flying around on defense and, and really fitting into Coach Braun's scheme. And then on offense, you know, they they struggled a little bit um, here and there. But against Maryland, you know, I, I thought the play calling in the first half, especially, was great. Getting the ball out of out of uh, Brennan Sullivan's hand and and making a couple changes on the offensive line that that really seemed to light a fire under that group. So yeah, while there's still some things to to improve on, I think they they did a great job. And, and Brendan, as as he gets more comfortable, will continue to make plays with his feet. I, th- I still think he's a little 
little bit indecisive in the pocket sometimes. But I think you know there's nothing wrong with a, a three to five yard gain if you don't see anything. And and he's done a pretty good job, frankly, of taking care of the ball, which has kept him in every game. Right? I think again, there, there's been some frustrating points, but I think he's keeping him in games in the fourth quarter. He's winning, you know, the the, the games when they matter. So I think. You know, you talk to the, the people in the facility. He's, he's the hardest worker there. People love him. Um, so it's just you know taking that next step to have consistent performance on the field that everybody's looking for. You know, if you look at the last two games, and I think the the Nebraska one, I think is painful to look back at because you score a touchdown in that game, you probably win the game the way the the way it was going. And two games, well, there was one turnover. That was a Hail Mary at the end of the half, which shouldn't even count, right, as a turnover. Right. Uh, two games taking care of the football. This is a team which turned it over 31 times last year, and they only have a half dozen turnovers so far this season. They're plus, uh, what, two or three, I think, in turnover margin, uh, which is another thing. Now their defense is starting to come up with some takeaways. Those were huge in the win over Maryland on Saturday. Gallagher with a strip sack that set up the first touchdown. And then, of course, Coco saves the game with an interception. Yeah, I think the defense is playing great. Uh, it, it seems like a, a throwback Coach Hank defense, frankly, with kind of keeping everything in front of them. And as the game progresses, getting more aggressive with blitz packages and, and the D-line coming alive. But, yeah, I, I think the defense is is obviously keeping them in every game and, and starting to win games for them because of their, their ability to take the ball away. But, like I said, before it's just fun to watch the passion that they play with um which which as as we talked about before is a little bit of a throwback um to kind of my years and the years after that um so for them to kind of rekindle that flame and get it going has has been fun to watch you know not only uh the uh, interception by coco ozima but he also had a 61 yard kickoff return to start the second half and they got a field goal out of that and speaking of field goals uh four field goals by Jack Olson. We talked to him a, a week or two ago. Uh, he's got seven field goals in the last two games, seven out of eight. And the one he missed was a 54-yarder at Nebraska. It didn't miss by much. I mean, this guy has given them a weapon that uh, the Cats, quite frankly, have, have struggled to find since Jeff Budzine was kicking field goals for him. He's doing great. I think the consistency is huge, especially down the stretch in the Big Ten West when there's just not a lot of points to be scored. Um, whether it's you know lack of offense or great defenses is, is to, be, to be determined. But I think you know anytime you can get down there and ha- have a guaranteed three is huge. Obviously, you know to to win games like Nebraska, you got to score touchdowns. But I think having a confident kicker and, a, and an aggressive kicker in in November is is going to be huge for for Northwestern. Second down and twenty two for UTEP. They're on thirteen yard line. And here's Hardison back inside his own five flag is down. Hardison, lots of time, throws over the middle. It's intercepted by the Wildcats. They back the other way. Mueller to the 15 to the 10 and run out of bounds inside the five-yard line. Xander Mueller, number 34, linebacker for the Wildcats out of Wheaton North High School. And he's been kind enough to jump on with us today. Uh, Xander, Dave Ennett, Dan Percy here. Thanks for taking a few minutes as you're coming off the practice field. How you doing? Hey, how are you? Doing great. Yeah, so I, I'm, I'm going to ask you about Wrigley in a moment and the game on on Saturday. But but what is it that you feel has really sparked this defense to the level of play that we're seeing now every week? I think coaching is a big part of it. Uh, we have an awesome set of kicks up all the time. Um, getting the film right, getting the game plan right, and then kind of instilling the attitude and the 
place out we want to have since spring ball and ball camp. Go back to the uh, the game this this past week against Maryland. There were yeah. several times in the game you were tested, and one of them, probably the one that everybody's going to remember from that game, was a first and goal situation at the nine. It ended up third and goal at the one, and then fourth and goal at the one, and you break up the pass. And uh, that's as big a defensive play as this team has had in quite some time. Uh, Kind of take us through that play and and your anticipation. Did you sense that they were going to try something, a a bootleg or a roll out there and try to throw the ball into the end zone? We had a similar situation against Penn State. They actually ended up scoring us. They had a um, fake single running back leaked out. We missed that when they scored. Um, So kind of getting the stem back for stopping a few times down there. But else is coming in. It was kind of a base technique that my coach talked about, and he talks about every week um, for us to do in that goal line situation off the edge. So, kind of using you know, what we practice and, and taking his coaching. Xander, Dan Perse here. Thanks again for joining us. I think when you look at the defense, the, the way they're, you guys are playing right now, the back seven is, is probably the strength of the defense, a ton of experience there. Maybe talk a little bit about the development of the defensive line. Obviously, some younger guys are getting a lot of time now and, and playing pretty well. So maybe talk about a couple of those guys that you've been impressed with, specifically the younger guys that we might have not have seen earlier in the year. I think, I mean, our whole defensive line absolutely grinding from spring ball and fall camp. And Coach Smith's done a great job getting them ready, and he's an awesome coach. Um, I think Carmine Bastone, he's, he's relentless in all over the place. Richie Haggerty, Najee, Sean, the whole, the whole defensive line has been awesome. Yeah, it seems like you know they're doing a great job, you know, shuffling in and out and keeping blockers off you. Um, talk about your relationship with with Bryce and the stuff that you guys have have been through and and how it's really coming coming to shine this year. Yeah, the whole linebacker core has been getting a lot closer and closer over the years. Spent a lot of time together watching film, doing stuff off the field, and um, it's just been fun to get to know these guys and spend a lot of time with them. Um, actually, hopefully. I'm getting a big-time championship. That's, that's the goal. Well, uh, you, of course, are, are a legacy player at Northwestern. Your brother, Eric, played uh, for the Wildcats, and uh, you made your debut in the 2020 season, which means this is going to be your second time playing at Wrigley Field this week uh, when you take on Iowa. I understand. I have it on good authority, Xander, that you're a Cubs fan. So, have, Yeah, so wait. How far back do you go with the Cubs? Pretty much since birth, my, uh, my whole mom's side of the family has been a huge Cubs fan. Uh, I think three generations going back. Um, so getting that World Series win was an absolute, absolutely huge. And I, I've been watching Cubs games since Alfonso Soriano was playing, Derek Lee, Thomas Ramirez, Zambrano. Those are my favorite players back in the day. Um, I still have a fat head poster of Alfonso Soriano in my room. Um, he was my favorite guys. Uh-huh. He was a he was a leadoff hitter, always swung the first pitch. That's, yeah. that's kind of how I was in baseball too. <laughs> yeah, did you did you play the outfield? Uh, no, I was a shortstop pitcher. Okay, so you didn't have the little hop when you made a catch, <laughs> like like Soriano did. All right, so so in twenty twenty one, you guys played Purdue at Wrigley Field, uh, and it was. Uh, I thought it was a great atmosphere. I, I wonder what that was like for you walking out there for the first time and, and what you're anticipating this week. Yeah, it was incredible. I'm anticipating the same type of, type of experience and um, crowd to be bumping. Um, and yeah, it was, it was a super awesome experience to be able to watch the Cubs my whole life, go to, go to a good amount of games and watch them stand. It was really cool to be out there on the field. Are guys on the team 
as excited as you are about it? Do you sense your teammates yeah. feel that way? Yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is they'll they'll get to play Iowa rivalry game. Um, hopefully, if I win, that's the plan. But also another added bonus is getting to play on a sweet, mm. sweet baseball field. Yeah, it's it's going to be great. The weather's supposed to be beautiful. Um, what's it going to take to beat this team on Saturday? Uh, physically, and effort are the two biggest Physic- things that we need to play with. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's how it always is when you play Iowa, right? Yeah, definitely. All right. Well, Xander, we appreciate the time. Thanks for jumping on with yeah. us. Uh, we'll see you at Wrigley Field on Saturday. Have a great time. Have a great game, and good luck. Thank you very much. Good time. All right. Thanks. That's Xander Mueller. Linebacker out of Wheaton North High School uh, had a huge game against uh, Howard. Seven tackles. Every one of his tackles was a solo tackle. Two sacks, three uh, tackles for loss, and he also came up with one of this uh, with the safety in that game uh, as uh, the Howard quarterback was called for intentional grounding in the end zone as Mueller was about to deck him. So, uh, and then the big play on on this past week on fourth and goal at the one. So, you know, you look at this linebacking core, uh, these guys kind of uh, had to learn a little bit. I think he played behind the guys who call themselves the Irish law firm for a long time, Patty Fisher and Chris Bergen. And, and um, of course, Bryce Gallagher's older brother, Blake. And uh, now you see what Bryce has done, what Xander's doing. Uh, Mac Uline coming in and contributing. Kenny Soares, who's uh, a situational player in that linebacking core, and they've really done done a nice job. Yeah, I think that's the thing that that really has stuck out to me is the the depth of the amount of players that we're seeing in the front seven. Right, we we talked a little bit about it with with the shifts they're running in on the defensive line. Don't have you know have a couple guys that have experience, but a lot of younger players getting to play, so going you know eight nine deep there. And then on the line linebacking front, like you said, you know, probably five or six deep. So that that pays huge dividends, uh, especially when you're playing, you know, heavy run teams like in Iowa. Um, and then the back seven continues to to I mean, they're probably the, the deepest group on defense, continue to make plays and, and stop big plays. So it's it's been a fun, fun group to watch for sure. Yeah, they got tested a number of times deep by Maryland. I think there was one uh, defensive pass interference call, but I think for the most part they took away the deep ball against Maryland. You know, they're really their only hiccup in that area was against Nebraska. And that was more a blown coverage than anything or just a mix up defensively. They haven't given up the home run ball. Which is huge, right? I mean it going back to Hank's old defenses, it's you know, you you make people have sustained seven to twelve play drives and more often than not in college football, someone's gonna make a mistake. Someone's gonna miss a throw, drop a pass. You're not gonna consistently convert on third down. And I think you know, getting back to that overall scheme, while Coach Braun has a little bit different scheme than Hank did, it's very similar, um, and I think it fits Northwestern really, really well. All right, some nu- some numbers here on Iowa. First of all, the Brian Ferentz situation with the Hawkeyes. Dan, it's unlike anything that I think any of us can remember. I mean, coaches, sure, coaches get told their services are no longer needed. It happens all the time. But here you have a former player, former offensive line coach, the son of the dean of head coaches in the NFL in the uh, Big Ten, uh, and is told that he won't return next year. Seems like that announcement and coming when it did is fraught with all kinds of messages. And uh, you thought when they uh, took his contract and restructured it before the season that that was the message. But this is really, 
I'm not sure I've ever seen a situation like this. It's very odd. It's odd timing. It's odd the way they handled it. I think, you know, you, to your point, you do it one of two ways. You don't renew his contract or you fire him right away now. But, you know, saying that now and then letting him coach the end of the year, it's just, it's just an odd position to put him in and put the team in, right? I think if you go one of two ways, right? He, he could either cut it loose and say, hey, this is it. You know, I'm gonna let it rip and and see what happens, or they can implode further. So, yeah, it was it was. I know there's it's a sensitive you know subject given who his father is and his experience at Iowa, but I, I think it was just handled really poorly. From whether it's messaging or timing or or, or both, it's just, it's just weird. An odd odd yeah. way to handle it. And I don't know if that's because it's a kind of an interim AD, um, but you know, I, I just again, you either fire him now. Or you tell him that. You don't tell anybody else that and fire him after the season. It's just weird that you, you'd leak that now. Some numbers on the Hawkeyes. One year ago, they led the Big Ten and were second in the nation in total defense. Uh, and uh, they were second in the nation and in the Big Ten in scoring defense. Gave up 13.3 points a game. They averaged 17.7 on offense, which was 12th in the Big Ten, 122nd nationally this year they're allowing 14.5 points a game that's uh, that's only 1.2 points higher than last year and they lost a lot of guys i mean lucas van ness you go right up and down the line there are a lot of guys missing from this defense who are part of that but it's always a good defense uh they're fourth in the big 10 sixth in the nation their scoring has also picked up by 1.8 points <laughs> A game, 19.5, 12th in the Big Ten, again, 118th nationally. And in total offense, they're averaging 232.4 yards a game. That is 14th in the Big Ten, 130th in the nation. Don't think they go much lower than 130th. Yeah, I don't think I don't think so. It's really a shame, frankly, that that Cade McNamara got hurt because I do think he's a really good player. He is fit fit the Iowa scheme and offense really, really well. So you know, while that's nobody's fault, it, it's certainly hurting them a lot. Um, but yeah, you know, I think you look at their defense with Coach Parker as, as a longtime defensive coordinator, similar to, to Coach Braun and, and Coach Hanks' scheme. It's very basic. They keep everything in front front of them. They have really good, solid players. They don't make a ton of mistakes, and that's why they've been consistently good for you know over a decade now. Uh, on offense, with the new quarterback, they've they've really struggled. Right? They have a couple of weapons, but not not nearly as not enough with the tight end Eric all going down to an ACL as well. So missing him in a tight end heavy offense is another huge blow. So yeah, I mean, there's a reason that, you know, the over under when it came out for this game was the lowest over under ever, right? Mm -hmm. I think it's gone up a little bit, but they don't expect a ton of points from, from either group. Um, I I think, I think it's still Northwestern can still get, you know, two to three touchdowns and get over 20 points against this defense, which, you know, hopefully is more than enough uh, given the way they're playing on offense. And Iowa has not scored a touchdown in their last two games away from home. They were shut out at Penn State, and then uh, in their last road game, they were held to field goals. Deacon Hill, by the way, the quarterback, uh, completing just 38% of his passes for 427 yards in seven games, uh, two touchdowns, three interceptions, and he's not a uh, not a mobile guy either. So that's different than the quarterbacks the Wildcats have faced the last couple of games, last three games. Yeah, I think not having him being able to run around is is huge. But to, that 
on that same point, the offensive line for Iowa is always going to be good, right? right? So finding a way to pressure him and, and affect him is going to be important. You know, at 38% uh, completion percentage, luckily my, my record's safe there. Um, <laughs> but, you know, I, I think, you know, you know, similar to Brendan Sullivan, the more he plays, the better he's going to get, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you just have to, you don't want to look too much into those stats and assume that they're going to play well um, in, a, in a huge game for both teams. All right, well, we have to get to a very important part of our program, which we do every week on Collegiately Speaking. That is Super Joe's Predictions. Prediction to say or estimate a specified thing will happen in the future. Super Joe's Predictions. I cannot wait for Saturday's game at Wrigley Field. Obviously, I've seen my fair share of baseball games there, been to a few concerts, had tickets to that Blackhawks-Red Wings game. So football would kind of complete the superfecta for your boy, Super Joe. Not as excited about my picks lately. We're streaking to end October and not in a good way. So put your shirt back on, Jack. Lots to choose from this weekend, so let's head to East Lansing, where Michigan State hosts Nebraska at 11 a.m. on Fox Sports 1. Spartans are three-point home dogs. The Cornhuskers struggled to start the season, but have won five of the last six. And four of those five victories came by double digits. Northwestern, our Wildcats, are the only team to stay within a score. Nebraska hasn't been bowling since 2016. I think they punched their ticket this weekend and win by at least three. Go Cornhuskers! Words I never thought I would hear him say. Thanks, Joe. (laughs) So, you were unable to play in the game at Wrigley Field, sadly, in 2010. It was the week after you were injured. And, uh, man, every time I see, watching the the Packers and the Vikings on Sunday, every time I see a quarterback go down, I I think of that that Iowa game. Kirk Cousins, who is having such a great year and just really tough situation but um anyway you couldn't play in that game and uh had a lot of first-time players out there playing in one direction because of the uh the lack of space behind the east end zone at wrigley before they had renovated the ballpark and of course brian peters is the only guy who got in that end zone with a pick six uh, but uh, mikhail lashore had a huge day at illinois one big and then uh, 11 years later, they played there again in the renovated Wrigley Field against Purdue two years ago. And, Dan, I thought that was just a great atmosphere in the ballpark that day. It was a really good game. Uh, Northwestern ended up falling short. Purdue's able to pull away late in the game. Aiden O'Connell passed for over 400 yards and three touchdowns. Uh, they had a they had a great a couple of great wide receivers had huge games Milton Wright and David Bell as I remember but uh, I think it's a little different this time uh, and you kind of feel like this is going to be a defensive struggle but I think it's going to be a great atmosphere I also think there's going to be a ton of Iowa fans there from what I'm hearing yeah that's what I was going to say it'll probably be more tilted to the Iowa fans probably you know seventy thirty or seventy five twenty five but. Yeah, I think this is this is probably the best chance Northwestern has of winning there. Uh, if you're, in 2010, you know, we we had a great chance, but I, it was just a tough situation for mm-hmm. me not being able to play. And then um, the last time around, you know, Northwestern kind of limped into the game, and it was uh, it was a good atmosphere. But Purdue doesn't travel as well as as Iowa. I think it's going to be sold out. I think it's going to be a close game. I think Northwestern's playing as confident and as poised as they've played. Um, with Iowa kind of being a little bit up and down. So I think it's their, their best opportunity to win in Wrigley, and I think it's going to be, like you said, great weather, 2.30 game in Wrigley. I mean, you can't ask for anything better. Yeah, we're looking forward to it. Saturday afternoon, 2.30 at Wrigley Field. 
for the Wildcats and the Hawkeyes. The other Big Ten games, by the way, along with that Nebraska-Michigan State game that Super Joe mentioned, Illinois back in action after their bye week at Minnesota. And the Golden Gophers playing pretty well right now. They got past Michigan State last week following their win over Iowa, uh, thanks to that uh, invalid fair catch call uh, leveled against the Hawkeyes. Uh, Purdue playing at Michigan in prime time. Ohio State goes to Rutgers. Get another indication of uh, where Rutgers fits in as far as the Big Ten East. Uh, Maryland, similar situation. They're, They're at home playing Penn State. So you wonder if maybe they were looking ahead a little bit last week. If so, it was a big mistake. They've dropped three in a row going into that game. A Wisconsin, an underdog, going to Indiana with the status of running back Braylon Allen uh, somewhat uncertain. And, of course, the Cats play the Badgers the following week up at Camp Randall. So it's a pretty good, interesting schedule this week. And I'm excited about the game at Wrigley. I'm looking forward to it and and uh, see if the Cats can – can get off the schneid there and get a win in the friendly confines. I think they will. Like I said, they, they, everything's lining up for them to play their, their best game of the year and, and have a, a great shot at winning the game. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Collegiately Speaking Again. We'll have Saturday's game for you on WGN Radio with our pregame starting at 2 o'clock and then uh, the kickoff from Wrigley at 2.30. Many thanks to Xander Mueller for jumping on with us today. Thanks to Jack Heinrich, our producer, and Super Joe Romano for his predictions. For Dan Persa, Dave Ennett, thanks for being with us. We'll talk to you again next week.